All right, you're now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 287. It is officially dead time in the NBA, but we do have some summer league champions. Adam Silver finally got his shiny new toy with the NBA tournament. We're going to give you the whole breakdown of that. The NBA is going to try once again to prevent flopping. We don't think it's going to happen. And Drew has an amazing question for his final thought. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, give me that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 287. Drew, we got about fourteen hundred new followers this week on Instagram. Nice, and I'm it's it's great. Big big week for Clips and Drew. Uh, our Draymond video got like one point five million views and still going. Our Jordan Poole video got like ten k. Anyways, we got a bunch of new followers. Hopefully, it transitions into people listening to the show. So, if you are new to the show, thank you for listening to the show. You're you're tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew. I am Clips. He is Drew. We've been doing this seven seasons. We are in our seventh season. So welcome. We hope you stick with us for a little while. I I want to start off with the fact that it's RIP to the NBA season. It is now dead time for the NBA season. Yeah. The long sleep. The good night. Uh, all that fun stuff you want. Now I want I want you to pay attention to something, Drew. The good night. I'm gonna I'm gonna reference this. Uh, going into the the final thought, reference okay. a poem from one of our favorite movies. So I want you to keep that in mind. But this is the long sleep. We got about eighty days until we are are in training camp. But summer league was kind of impressive, Drew. Uh, this this summer league was the second most watched summer league in the history of the summer league. Mm. Uh, Eight hundred fourteen million views over social media, almost one billion uh, views from clips, from highlights and whatnot on all socials. Now, of course, there's TikTok and Snapchat and IG and Facebook. That's a lot, but still almost a billion views. Wembo's debut was the second most watched debut of all time. They had one point. Was Zion more than that? Oh, well, you got to get, let me get to it. Oh, sorry. I was just throwing out a guess. I was going to ask you the question. Oh, okay. Wembo's debut against Charlotte was the second most watched game in summer league history at 1.39 million. Who was number one, Drew? <laughs> was it Zion? <laughs> that will be Zion Williamson against the Knicks. 1.61 million. That was in 2019. Yeah. Uh, I did think it was this was the most entertaining summer league for me, minus 96 and Kobe that I got to see at the Long Beach Pyramid. Yeah, Kobe, summer league's right? changed a lot since then, too. Yeah. Man, man, has it changed? I mean, now yeah. summer league is a full-on event. Back in 96 when I worked it. Uh, you know, at the summer pro league, it was very casual and <laughs> very AAU pickup like. Like, hopefully, right. come to the gym. We're playing today. Uh, but you know, I got to see Kobe and Ray Allen and Jermaine O'Neal and Stephon Marbury, all those fun guys. But this one was entertaining to me. I enjoyed the games. I feel like uh, a lot of talent is coming into the NBA. A lot of mm. young, athletic, offensive-minded talent. Uh, some of the guys that stuck out to me, uh, Michael DeVoe, obviously Cam Whitmore, who we're going to talk about in a minute. Our guy bet on Chet. 
Chet Holmgren had yep. a couple good games that I want to get into. Hunter Tyson with Denver, another guy that they drafted well. Um, Imani Bates, who has not had the easiest transition from high school stardom through college to get to the NBA. Right. I mean, this this guy was a number one. This guy was possibly going to be the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Made some pretty weird decisions, bad decisions. His dad's kind of been on his back for a long time. Memphis really didn't work out. And uh, he showed out in this summer league. And then there's a couple guys, a couple guys that the Clippers have, Xavier Moon and Kobe Brown, who I want to talk about. But a lot of talent, Drew. What did you think of this summer league? Well, so I have been up up here in Lake Tahoe for it's close to a month now. I mean, it's been three weeks. And <laughs> as as was brought up on our last podcast, the Wi-Fi connection can be a little tricky up here in the mountains. Uh, so I haven't been able to watch as much of the summer league as I normally would when I'm back at home, right? Uh, especially in the dog days of summer period where there's not a whole lot going on other than NBA summer league. I would do always be tuning in. So unfortunately, I've only been able to really uh, glean from the clips that I've seen on IG, and then you know if I can get Sports Center working or what have you. But I mean, the guy that you brought up. Real, you know, initially, and one that we even brought up on uh, last podcast, Cam Whitmore, it turned out to be the summer league MVP, and I think had a fantastic summer league. And and it's one of those ones where, you know, maybe maybe we're going to look back five years from now and go like, why exactly did this guy fall so far, and how did Houston get him at the twentieth pick when he was clearly, you know, a top five or top ten talent in this draft. Uh, and it could be one of those things where, you know, similar to Michael Porter Jr., where we look down the line now and we, we talk about it all the time, like why the Clippers passed or why all those other teams passed on him. Uh, but that dude is, I mean, when you talk about young, athletic guys entering the league ready to go, that that's a perfect example of what you're talking about. Uh, he's, he's also kind of had a strange path, like with injury at Villanova and then a lot of the rumors around him being drafted and the reason why he fell so far was – some sort of knee problem. And then on top of that, I, we were hearing that his own head coach at Villanova was not talking him up. And that's not, that's not Jay Wright anymore. Jay Wright is now retired. He does the broadcasting for CBS. They got a new head coach at Villanova. So I don't think there's a chance in hell that Jay Wright would be caught doing something like that to a guy that went to his school when you're trying to, you know, continue to recruit those top level talents that want to be one and done at Villanova. It's probably not going to bode well for the head coach. And, and potential recruits that are looking at Villanova as an option. But anyway, that's that was interesting, that whole Cam Whitmore thing uh, falling down, and then you get to see him play, and you're like, wow, I just don't understand how teams would not take a take a swing on this guy in the draft prior to the 20th pick. Uh, but all the guys that you listed really stood out. Well, there was a couple more that I saw. I mean, from the Lakers' side, I can just bring up a few. Max Christie, uh, second-year player. Didn't get hardly any run, as you would expect on the Lakers team last year. But uh, this year kind of was the best player on the Lakers Summer League team and had a couple bang outs, one one really nasty bang out uh, (laughs) uh, that he got. Uh, But not only Max Christie, but we had a couple guys. I mean, our draft pick, Hood Shafino, this year, the point guard, kind of a bigger point guard, I think was all right. My guess is he'll probably get a little two-way deal kind of thing, get him going in the G League. But I do think that guy is all – Hood Shafino is also like a big, stout, athletic 
uh, NBA-ready kind of player and athlete for the Lakers. So I wouldn't be shocked if he makes the actual roster if we have an extra space for him. Uh, but then we also got this Colin Castleton out of Florida, this big seven-footer that is very intriguing to me. I We don't see a whole lot of seven-footers come through the Lakers, especially uh, a guy like this one that can shoot it a little bit. Um, and I just thought he did really well. He stood out to me. He's not going to be something you know crazy or impressive but like when we need a spell or if uh you know anthony davis goes down or anyone else on our team that goes down that's that's a serviceable seven footer right there he can move he's got good hands he can block shots i mean he is to me i'm I'm kind of excited about that kid uh and then max lewis the kid out of pepperdine uh i was shocked how big he looked on the court for the lakers but those guys in particular for the lakers i think all did really well and uh, have promising upsides to them. Uh, the other guy that I'll mention that's not tied to the Lakers that you didn't bring up is an old Wildcat. Shout out to U of A, bear down, Nico Mannion. Uh, I love Nico Mannion. I got to watch him play at Arizona. He had a he very got bigger successful... too, man. What's that? He got bigger too. Hell yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so and, and and he doesn't look the same as when he left. I mean, that's another guy who had an interesting story. As I mentioned, he. Was, did really well at University of Arizona. We didn't have a great season that year, uh, but gets drafted to the Warriors, relatively high draft pick, um, second round, but still, you know, goes drafted. Uh, and then, you know, wasn't going to make the Warriors team, shockingly. A point guard, <laughs> like a second round point guard, maybe not going to make the Warriors. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. So he does the G League route and then uh, decides because he has dual citizenship to go get some minutes and, and get a nice contract, go play in Italy for a year. And then in Italy gets this crazy disease that causes him to lose like 20, 30 pounds. He's already pretty thin, pretty slight and looked like a completely different human being when he was there. He's recovered. Obviously he had a good season in Italy after that weird disease uh, was able to get past that. And then has come into the summer league with the bucks and is just looking like right like you know almost like he it was exactly what he needed almost as if he could have stayed in college potentially mm-hmm. <laughs> for maybe one or two more seasons and he would have had potentially this kind of success uh now but needless to say i'm very happy for him to see him out there he had some bang outs for a, a small white point guard that you love to see he had a two-handed bang out in in the off uh, the half court offense uh and just was also just making great shots making good plays uh, so that guy, I'm just like really happy for him to see him you know, have this kind of summer league and then hopefully can do something for the Bucks or for whatever organization could use him because he's an NBA player. Or use that dual citizenship and get buckets. Yeah. In Italy, if that's what sure. it is. Like that's, sure. That still works too. You know, going back to Cam Whitmore, uh, MVP, I had mentioned, you know, in summer league, this is where, uh, you know, people jack up their shots. They want to get buckets. A lot of these guys, like Sasser had 40. My boy Kobe Brown had 35, who we'll talk about in a sec. But, like, the thing that stood out with Cam was, you know, the game where he had the eight steals. Like, he's mm-hmm. obviously playing with a chip on his shoulder. He didn't, like, drop into 20. And I'm pretty sure that was the Clippers pick, too. He could have been a Clipper. Could have been. Have trade. Could have been. Once again, could have, should have, would have. Um but he's obviously playing with a chip on his shoulder. But that's the kind of thing that's going to get you minutes and get you in the good yeah. grace of Ime Udoka. If you're going to be getting eight steals a game, that's going to get you minutes on any NBA court. And if that's if that's your focus, um, the buckets are going to come, especially when you're when you're offensively gifted like that. So shout out to yeah. Cam and uh, so the Lakers are definitely in this you know group of teams that like, like when I look at 
we could have had Cam Whitmore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Huchifino, a guy I just talked about, I think he's going to do fine. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a relatively long, successful career in the NBA. But there's a clear gap between what he can deliver and what Cam Whitmore was able to deliver there. So that's every team's got to be looking back going, why? What did, what did we see and what was the reason again? At least mm-hmm. that's what... If I was a GM of one of those teams, I'd be going, wait, what did, scouts, scouts, let's have a meeting real quick. What did we see and why were we so convinced of it? Well, it's just something happened. Something happened where somebody heard something that that didn't stand right, whether it was the coach that threw him under the bus or the bad interviews. You remember when LaMelo was coming out, like his interviews were horrible. People, yeah. <laughs> but they're still going to take him based on talent alone. And Edwards, too. Not, not great with the interview. <laughs> right. But then what does he turn into? Like, look, it's just winning summer league MVP is is nice and shout out to the cleveland cavaliers for winning the championship too it does mean something sometimes this might be the pinnacle for some some of these players you know is winning summer league um and isaiah mobley another guy that we didn't bring up who's gonna get a contract like he played very very well he reminds me of his brother right if you could if you can compare him to anybody in the nba you'd probably compare him to his uh, his brother but they were both very good you know you brought up your lakers and i just want to touch on really fast it's funny how the Clippers draft a Jordan and a Kobe, not the Jordan and Kobe that we <laughs> that we want, but uh, Kobe Brown, who is a, a tweener at six seven six eight, but he's two fifty. He's got a seven foot wingspan. He's got a really good motor. He's not super athletically gifted, but he's got a great motor. Motor. He gets hands in the paint. He had a lot of deflections. He can shoot the three. He didn't shoot it at a high clip in college, but he's working on that. He played a lot of center for the Clippers in the in the summer league, and I think he's going to play center for us at times on the Clippers, kind of like what we did with Rocco, Robert Covington, because six seven six seven's a little small, six eight's a yeah. little small for the center position, but with the seven one wingspan and with the motor, uh, I think he's going to get a, some burn from us. They really liked him, and the other guy I want to touch on is Xavier Moon, who's been on two way deals with the Clippers for a while now. This guy's yeah. been a journeyman. Um, it's kind of you know, he he's done really well in the G League. I know he he played a little bit overseas. This guy is a vet as far as it, you know, he's like the Ish Smith. You know what I mean? Like this guy <laughs> can continuously get the two-way deals. Uh, he he shoots a three-point really well. It's just really tough when you're that small of a guard to make the rotation. I think he's going to be on another two-way deal. We're still going to work with Diabate, the kid that we really like, who I thought should have gotten more burn last year based on the fact that we needed defense and rebounding. And I think he's going to get a little more play with that. Um, But the Imani Bates thing really fast, because you know as well as I do, we've heard a lot about Imani Bates and uh, just how good he was. And there's just been this disconnect between every – he's gone from team to team, from coach to coach – and now he's in this position where I don't think he's going to be an NBA all-star at any point, but he showed some flashes of, you know, how gifted he is offensively. He mm-hmm. still has a hard time. You know, his assist to turnover ratio is not great, but that's something that you can work on. And maybe being in a system with Cleveland, with guys like Garland and Mitchell and people that can kind of lead you, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with being a third string point guard in the NBA or possibly a, a second string backup point guard, but I'm kind of happy for him. I'm happy that, he got a chance to play. Maybe Cleveland's the place for him. Um, yeah, I kind of see a- him. I kind of see him being more of a shooting guard to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just based on the turnover ratio, also like that. And I also think right. he just wants to put the ball up. Mm-hmm. So if he's going to make the roster for Cleveland, which I think he might, because he is talented, uh, that could be like an easy 
Karis LeVert replacement to me, right? Like if you want to trade Karis LeVert somewhere down the line here in the next, you know, six months or prior to the, you know, the trade deadline and go get a, you know, some draft capital or, you know, a different player that, that your roster is needing based on injury or, or whatever else, uh, you can feel pretty comfortable that that kid can come in for 15 minutes and he'll get some shots up. Mm-hmm. They may not all be great shots, but he's going to, he's going to be able to do what Karis LeVert does. I think in this league can probably do exactly what Karis LeVert does. Yeah. Like just have one great game and then two horrible games, yeah. probably a DNP <laughs> and then drop 25, 28 and then get a DNP. Um, <laughs> what, that's the situation I see him either way. I'm really happy with how the summer league went. It looked like a really great time. Obviously, the sphere they put up was the something. The sphere is crazy, bro. That shit, it looks incredible. It looks so cool, man. Yeah. It looks so cool. And everything they can do with that, uh, it's just another thing to see in Vegas. Um, <laughs> but I, w- I was impressed. Obviously, Wembo and Scoot were the, the the main attractions. Unfortunately, they didn't get to play a lot. But let's, let's touch on Chet really fast. Yeah. Chet played four games, 14 blocks in four games, right? Yeah, we all know the guy is going to be a really, really good rim, rim protector defensively. He, I mean, he can run the floor. He's got a nose for the ball on defense. His weak side defense is the most impressive to me, how he can yep. get to the rim really fast. And he's long. People, I think he like two or three guys tried him yeah. and, and he beat that shit up at the rim. And also, you know, he I, I you know, the, the best shot blockers you know, Dikembe, Patrick, those guys got banged on a lot. And in order to be one of the great shot blockers, you have to go up and yep. attempt to block that shit. And the fact that he doesn't care if he gets banged on or not, just going for the block is enough for me. And he didn't yeah. put on any weight, I don't think. I think they said maybe 13 pounds or something. They, but I like, think they tried to say that he gained 15 pounds a muscle. I don't believe it. I mean, he went from like 185 to 200. So like that's, you know, I, I don't, I think 15 seems a little little heavy for how much he gained. He looks quite similar to me. He does. But, you know, when you when you break down that that OKC team, they have so much talent. They got Chet coming back healthy. SGA, Jalen Williams. They got Josh Giddy. Like, there is a lot of young talent on that team. And you and I both, like, ever since we started this pod, is we're kind of waiting for when these guys are actually going to compete for a chip. Now, you know I'm not the biggest on Chet because I wanted to see him against, against talent and – NBA talent. Uh summer league is one thing. NBA is a different thing. But if he can bring that that defense for them and, and a little bit of offense, which I think he could bring, they they might be the sleeper scary team this year, Drew. Yeah. And look, when you have Shea, I don't know how much of a sleeper you can be. Everyone was put on notice last year. And for those that didn't that weren't already aware of how good Shea was until last year, they're very aware now. That kid is a very complete. Uh, NBA point guard, whatever, one or two, he can play either one, but you want to put the ball in his hands as often as possible. And they finally did let the, you know, let those guys play and actually try and get into the play in this year. And and I expect that to be a, a similar stance that they take for this season that's coming up. I do think they're going to try and fight as much as they can to like, let's see like how deep this team can go. And it's going to be an uphill battle for sure. Um, and I think it, it could be a really exciting year. And I hope I hope that Chet can stay healthy because that's really what the team lacked last year. And they were still able to to have a pretty good season with like nobody taller than like six nine on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh and because Chet, you know, was was absent for a lot of that. So I think what Chet will bring is going to be very, very important for OKC 
and could really take them to the next step. You know, not necessarily the next level where they're going to be fighting for home court advantage or even a, you know a lock in type of top six seed. But why not? Chet can, why not? Chet, they got the Chet, talent. They, I think they can definitely get eight through ten, right? Eight, nine, ten, eleven, somewhere in there, no problem. Uh, but it's with Chet, there's a chance they can get to the seven. I think would be the highest that I would put my neck out there for them. Uh, if check and play the whole the whole time and and also be you know effective out there, but it's exciting. I mean, if you're and they still have so many fucking draft picks, it's insane how many I draft know. picks they have. So what you know, if you're if <laughs> if if you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, it's got to feel nice. It's got to kind of feel uh, like when when the Sixers were like, okay, now we're done losing, right? All those years ago, after Embiid was able to start playing basketball. They can go. Let's let's actually start to win. Let's be able to root for these guys to win these games and be competitive. And I think the time is now for OKC. And fourteen blocks in four games is a good number. Like I like that. Awesome. I, I don't. I don't think he's going to average four blocks a game, but I no. think he could be, definitely be at the two spot. I mean, he was blocking three pointers, shit at the rim, middies, yeah. like all that stuff. So uh, it was good to see him out there. Good to see him healthy. I'm. That's going to be kind of like last year's Sacramento team of watching. On league pass, like I think OKC is going to be the squad that I'm going to. Where's Poku at? Is Poku still on the team? Poku's or did he get traded? Is he still there? Because he's a seven footer, Drew. He's, he's almost yeah, but he's not a rim protector. True. Just like that's the thing is like there, he's a seven footer, but he plays like a two guard, right? Right. Like, that's that's the that's the hard part about some of the guys that were taller than six nine on that team, uh, and you know somebody like Bull Bull, who we can we can talk about. I mean, he's on the Suns now, but that's Man. the biggest problem with Bull Bull is that all that size, all that length, he just doesn't block enough shots. He doesn't use that length on the defensive end, and I also think his rebound numbers are really really low for a guy his size that mm-hmm. can have that kind of wingspan and should be able to be a more formidable presence underneath the basket. But Chet actually offers that, which is nice. Uh, something that happened this week finally uh, that we got to break down for the listeners is Adam Silver finally got his shiny new toy. After all <laughs> the deliberation and the many years of trying to get the in-season tournament, Adam Silver finally got the in-season tournament, um, which, you know, I since we didn't know anything about the tournament or how it was going to be run or what was the stakes, where was it going to be played, uh, I actually kind of like it. I, I like it now that it makes sense. And we kind of have a defined picture of what it's going to be. I think it's something that's going to be fun coming in December. Uh, The teams are playing for something. I think that they're going to make it kind of, you know, different, like all-star game ish, different jerseys, different floors, uh, maybe a different format, but I, I like it, Drew. And I want you to break down exactly how this is going to work and uh, what's at stake for the teams uh, that are going to be playing in it. Yeah, so this is like I think you I think you put it perfectly. Adam Silver's new thing. This is his new toy. This was toy. really a mission that he drove home, and I think you know potentially kind of just put on the earmuffs when when in regards to what the feedback was about the potential of this tournament. He did not said, care. He did I don't not care. care. Like just put the put his <laughs> plugged his ears and said la 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 la. I I'm, we're doing this. <laughs> Uh, and so we're going to see how it goes for this first year, but, uh, let me, let me break it down with the official NBA post about it. All 30 teams, uh, in this in-season tournament, all 30 NBA teams will be participating. They're divided into six groups of five teams based on conference. So three groups in the Western conference and three groups in the Eastern conference. 
um, and the 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 groups are determined by uh, the prior season's regular season record. So that's how they group these teams based on how they did last year. And I think that's going to be the case moving forward. Uh, your record impacts what group you're in and and where you stand within that group for the next season. Uh, so tournament nights will take place every Tuesday and Friday from November 3rd through November 28th. Uh, which apparently there's there's the exception of Tuesday, November 7th is in the election day. So we won't have it that day. But outside of that, every Tuesday and Friday. So the, the, each team within their group, you'll play each team one time. Uh, you have two home games and two away games, but it's undetermined as to which, which games those will be yet. Uh, so the round robin, you only get to play every team once. And all tournament games will count toward the regular season standings, except for the championship. Now that I'll stop here for a second. That is the most interesting part of this whole thing, because when you and I first were talking about this in-season tournament, we didn't know how it was going to impact the regular season uh, and whether or not these games would be on top of the 82 game season. Would they reduce the NBA season to 72 games or 76 games and then have these games be in a separate thing and not you know and, and not count towards the regular season that twist right there i think is why the nba is moving forward with this is because these games need to matter outside of just this other competition they need to matter for the players for the organizations for the grand scheme for the actual trophy that everyone wants to win the larry o'brien and the nba finals uh, so that's an important piece right there uh, the quarterfinals will take place December 4th and 5th at the home city of the higher seed. Uh, so once you, uh, I, I skipped a step there. So at, at the end of the, the group stages, the top eight teams will go into the knockout round. So the winners from each group, so that makes six, and then two wild cards, one per conference with the best remaining uh, record in uh, in the group stages will get out into the knockout rounds. Then the quarterfinals will take place December 4th and 5th at the home city of the higher seed with the semis and the championships, a championship taking place December 7th in Las Vegas and December 9th in Las Vegas. And according to the NBA, what's at stake is teams will be competing for an all new NBA cup. That is the name of this trophy, the NBA cup. Uh, they get league honors. So at the conclusion of the tournament, the NBA will name the most valuable player of the in-season tournament and the all-tournament team. And there's a prize pool. A prize pool will be allocated to the players on the teams that participate in the knockout rounds. So if you get to the knockout rounds, you get a little bonus check. Everybody gets a little bonus there. So that's essentially the breakdown of how the tournament will unfold. And as you can see, it's all happening prior to January. They're all getting this. They're getting this done early, early days, the first third of the NBA season. And um, initially, Clips, I was very much against this. Very much against this. It doesn't make any sense to do this up until we found out about that regular season impact where these games actually count for your regular season record. I think that was the most important and really uh, technically give, very smart move to get this off the ground and get this up and running because um, without that, there was no value to the teams to compete in this. There would have been, and I think there still may be, but probably less now there would have been 
superstars resting or not playing in these tournaments if it didn't impact the seedings for the regular season and for the regular playoffs. Um, but I'll just give my last two cents here on why the NBA is doing this, and then I want to hear what your thoughts are. Uh, so to me, this right here is just uh, a way to make the regular season matter more to viewers. This is an attempt for the NBA to draw eyeballs away from the NFL, which dominates uh, all the viewership, uh, especially, you know, it, the way that the NFL schedule works. You got Thursday night, Sunday all day, and you got Monday night. Uh, so during those three nights, you know, there's almost nothing else that's going to be consumed on the sports scale comparatively. So the NBA wants to draw some of those eyeballs, especially during the midweek. As you can see, the tournament games are happening Tuesday and Friday. No impact, no direct competition with the NFL on those games. So they're saying, hey, come check this out. This is going to matter more. This is going to matter more uh, than any other regular season before. And as we've seen in years past and may may still continue this year, but the first few months of the NBA season can be quite lackadaisical, right? You can have teams that aren't really locked in. They're not really trying as hard uh, and because it's the early days, right? And, you know, when you have some of these long road games or what have you, uh, the, the, the level of competition can slip and you end up with resting stars and all that good stuff anyway. So I don't know if it'll work, Clips, but that's the main reason why they're going to do this. Uh, and, and it leaves me with a couple questions that I think you'll have an answer for, at least your opinion on. Do you think this will make... NBA superstars, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Seth Curry, Steph Curry, uh, all the others want to play in this tournament? Uh, and do you think, if not, do you think the NBA will have to force them to do so? I don't think they have to force So, First of all, I think it was well thought out by the NBA. All the points that you just made about the NFL and getting eyes on the, on the games is a really good point. I think they thought it out very well. Uh, the questions I have, are like, you know, it'd be really interesting. Like if, if, if you win this cup, if you win the cup MVP, does that have any bearing on, you know, your contract? Like it's like making should, an all-star That should team? definitely be included in contract incentives. If that, you win MVP of the in-season tournament, uh, you are also in the same, you don't have to do all NBA, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe that's how you make that even more valuable. Yeah. Because that could come out to be, you know, tens of millions of dollars at some point. So it would get me to want to play in that. Um, you know, one thing you failed to mention or you f forgot to mention was the stats count, too, during these games. Like your stats well, it's count. It's regular season. It all, they all counts for the minus, regular season. Minus the final game. Just the one final game does not right. count. Right. But, you know, it, it could you could have a 40-piece or a 50-piece in that final game or have an NBA record 22 blocks in a game. Like, who knows? <laughs> uh, and it won't count. But – um, I, I think the NBA, I want to see it. I want to see how it yeah. looks. I think Adam's going to make Adam like he's my buddy, Mr. Silver. <laughs> I think he's going to try to make this as interesting as possible. And, and again, yeah. this is just uh, this is just another thing to do in Vegas to get an NBA team out there. It's just yet another thing to do. So I, I think the stars will play in it. I think the 500K when you win, like when you look at a team like – when you look at a team like Utah or Phoenix, right? Phoenix has 
four players under max contracts and then 11 minimum contract players, <laughs> right? So yeah. 500 racks would be a lot of money for these That's guys. That's a lot for those guys. It's it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money for anybody. So if I'm Steph Curry or LeBron or Giannis or whatever, I'd want to win that for my team and for the other guys on my team who might not necessarily have another opportunity to win $500,000. Like, I know in the grand scheme of things, 500K doesn't seem like a lot to NBA players, especially when we're talking about people making $60 million a year. But not everybody's a $60 million a year player. If you if if you ask Kobe Brown or you ask Max Christie what they if they would like five hundred thousand dollars they would be like fucking take my left wrist I'll take five hundred thousand dollars so I think the incentives are there and I think it's going to be a fun thing to do it, the 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 funny thing about it is, is like you said it's so quick in the beginning of the year it's yeah. like we're just getting our legs you know going in the NBA season we start at the end of October. You know, unless you're like Utah last year, who had a crazy first month in uh, of NBA basketball, you know, by December seventh, you barely even know who your teammates are. Yeah. So, I think, I think based on how hard and how much Adam Silver pushed for this, I think it makes the most sense the way it's laid out. Like right? it makes sense to you, right? The way that they're doing it, um, yeah. it makes sense, and I, I will definitely watch it. Right. More people might watch this than the stupid all-star game because the all-star. Well, look, I, I think it, to be honest, I think a lot of this is going to get lost in just watching NBA basketball. Like, you know, I know that they're going to do a really great job of like marketing. This is the in-tournament game on mm -hmm. Tuesday night. And this one is Friday night. This is in team. But at the same time, we're, we're, we're people like you and I, we're going to watch the games anyway, regardless because it's a regular season game. So to me, this is just the regular season. And oh, by the way, this one actually counted for that weird group thing that we're doing. That's mm -hmm. kind of how I think uh, most NBA fans will have to view this until we get into the knockout stages. So which I think is an interesting way to do a tournament because it's really not a tournament. This is what I'm getting at. <laughs> it really isn't a tournament until there's eight teams left. Then it becomes a tournament. And so that was such an interesting way that they decided to like it, all 30 teams are eligible. You can all 30 can be one of those eight if if that's how it goes. Uh, but it actually isn't a tournament in the way that I thought it was going to be like. So the, the initial idea was obviously pulled from European soccer, just international football, quote unquote, football soccer, uh, because this kind of competition exists in the major leagues in Europe and around the world, really. I mean, the MLS has them in, in the United States. Pretty much every single nation that has a soccer league has concurrent competitions taking place within it. They have a league, which would essentially be like the NBA regular season. And then they have this other tournament that they play in. Some teams play in three or four of these during the, during the same season. Uh, but those competitions in soccer have a depth to them because there's a history tied to them. Uh, and because there is a, a value and a team loyalty and a team diversity uh, that is uh, available to them that the NBA doesn't have with just 30 teams. And this being started year one, there is no depth of loyalty to this. There is no depth of team loyalty, honestly, anymore in the NBA because most people follow their favorite player as opposed to their favorite team. Uh, which is not obviously not always the case, but more NBA fans, especially on the younger spectrum don't have like their favorite team. They go, my favorite guy is LeBron or my favorite guy is uh, Kevin Durant. So I'm a Phoenix Suns fan this year, right? Uh, 
that's not necessarily the case in soccer. In soccer, you're born in a city that has a team. Most likely you're a fan of that team and your father was a fan of that team and his father was a fan of that team and so on and so forth. So there's other reasons why it matters in that sport that didn't translate to the NBA. And the way that they skirted around that is that they just removed the tournament aspect. It's just like we're playing regular season games and then, oh shit, okay, now it's November 28th. All right, these eight, you guys did the best during that time. So you're in the tournament. And now that's to me where I think the intrigue will start. It's going to be in those knockout rounds. I will be watching those to see, number one, will the superstars play in those games? Number two, will the competition be any higher in those games? Will it will it feel like a tournament atmosphere or will it feel like just another regular season game? And then number three, is it going to be one of these things where if the superstars don't play, are we looking at like, the breeding ground for the next up guys. Like, is this going to turn into the Lakers sitting Anthony Davis as an example, sitting Anthony Davis, sitting LeBron, and it's going to be Max Christie out there, summer league, Max Christie running the show. Those are the kind of things that I'm looking at. Well, I think that also the implement, the implementation of the 65 games you got to play to make all NBA, these games count. Yep. So you exactly won't be right. rest that you won't be resting the superstars. The superstars want to play, you know, Kawhi has to play 65 games, bro. If you want to make all NBA, well, and a lot of, these we'll guys see how are... much that matters. We'll see how much that matters. Cause Kawhi didn't make all, all NBA last couple of seasons. Right. And that didn't matter to his contract specifically. It matters in those, <laughs> to those guys that are on extensions that are tied to that. But so... maybe, maybe part of that CBA to get these guys to play 65 games was a prelim to these rules for, yep. The, I can guarantee game. it was. I, oh, I right. guarantee that was tied in for sure. Right. So we've said it so many times on this show, though, like Adam Silver is very progressive, man, and has yeah. really great ideas. And these are these are just ideas to make the NBA better and more enjoyable. So I'm all for that. Yeah. And I'm all for kicking the top tires on new shit. And it might be really cool, right? Like it, it just might be really cool. I wish they kicked the tires on some new uh, all-star stuff because we're both over, over <laughs> all-star. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like, well, let me you know, let me say this too because I I think there is a path for this to matter even more than it already has because right now it matters a lot. I would say that just on its face value, if you want to be a good team, if you want to win an NBA title, you want to win regular season games, so you're going to want to win these games, right? So that matters. Um, but I actually think this can work a little bit better and have it matter even more to the players specifically, not just to the franchise, not just to their back pockets, but to their season, is if the winner, the team that wins the actual tournament, is granted automatic playoff entry via the plan, if they're outside of the plan. So let's just say the team that wins it is Utah, just as an example, but they only finish in the 12 or the 13 seed in the West. Doesn't matter. They're automatically the 10 seed and they're in the plan. Or if they are in that plan uh, if they're in the top six, they're guaranteed uh, home court advantage for the first round, only for the first round. Uh, so then they would a essentially end up being the four seed. The problem with that incentive is that if you are the one, two, three, or four seed, then you don't get anything added value to your team. But there could be something there for them that says, you know, they get the 31st pick in the in the draft the next year or, or something along those lines. But I think that there, that could be an interesting way to do it, uh, potentially. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. And then, but for those one, two, three, four teams that didn't win the in season tournament, that makes you want to win it. Like, okay, I want to win it. So I will get home court advantage. I like that. And maybe, 
I'm sure they've talked about that. Maybe that'll be part. Maybe they want to see how this is played out in year one and see if they can give it a little more incentive. Maybe the players will really be down for this. Maybe they'll yeah. really like it. Maybe it's a break from the monotony of the the beginning of the regular season and get to go out to Vegas and, and do all of this shit. And maybe they're going to make it really cool. I know silver is thinking about the new jerseys. This is again, this is another way to make money, right? It's another yep. way to sell tickets. Uh, I know that they the TV deal is up soon with the NBA, which is a billion billion dollar deal that, you know, Disney's looking at now and it's going to be done you know, I think it's 2024 is when all that happens. So there's a lot of new money coming in. Uh, probably the TV rights to, to this tournament will be huge as well. I don't know who's going to get it, but more jerseys for sale. You know what I'm saying? More uh, interesting thing. Maybe they'll do, you know, maybe they'll have a three point contest. Maybe they'll do, do little shit like that to make it uh, a little more watchable. But I don't think they're done tinkering with it. Let's just say that. No, and I and I also don't think it's going to go away fast, right? Like, let's just say this year is a, a catastrophe and it doesn't mm -hmm. work or whatever. I this is not going to go away after one year. Silver's Still, going to put his hand, his fingers. He's in his been ear really again. nailing this. Like, you know, we, a lot of work has gone into it. Mm -hmm. um, and I honestly, I think it will be a success once we get to that, uh, you know, eight eight team part of it. I I think that should be a lot of fun when it gets to that knockout kind of vibe that the NBA has never really had until it introduced the plan. And I also think just going back to that, like I just remember when the plan was introduced initially, I was like, why I don't like this. I don't know. Like blah, blah, blah. But as we've watched it over the last few years, it, it has led to some of the best. It's awesome. <laughs> some of the best games ever that we've seen. And, and it has also led to like multiple 30 point blowouts, like AKA Indiana Pacers and the Charlotte Hornets. But you know, uh, it, I think it's still a, a better product and it's, and it brings an extra added step of, like to that space between the end of the regular season and that full official start of the playoffs. I think it adds something there too. Yeah. So now you do mid you do beginning of the season tournament, you do all-star break in February, and then we get, uh, you know, NBA playoffs. So yep. we'll see how it works. I think you're definitely correct with the fact that it doesn't matter if this is a complete failure, it's happening again next year yeah. and probably two more years after that to see how it goes. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so, so before we move on, the last question I have around this clips is, uh, it's specific to you, but there's also some others involved here, but, uh, how do you think teams that have not yet won an NBA championship like the Clippers would view winning this NBA cup? And I'll, I'll, I'll make it even more direct. Would you celebrate if the Clippers win this in, in season tournament? Uh, like parade celebrate? No, no, no. Would you, would you, no, do you, would, I would you value it? Would you have a value to it? Would it mean I, something to you as a Clipper fan? Yeah, it would. I mean, winning anything, it'd be fun to win the first of anything, you know, when, when Kawhi won the Kobe or the first Kobe all-star award, like I, that meant a lot. I thought that was great. Um, I think the way Clipper fans are treated, like it'll be more of a joke. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, that's what, that's why that's, I asked specific to the teams that haven't won an NBA title. Cause there's like what, six of six, six teams or so now that mm -hmm. Denver's off the list. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I'm not going to run around town waving my tournament, <laughs> my tournament towel, but you don't want to play in these tournaments and not win. You know what I mean? Like I right. want to win it, but I think it would be more, because I know what it's like to be a Clipper fan. It would be more of a joke. The media would have so much fun for three or four <laughs> days with it. 
the the amount of texts I would get, you know, the the tournament banners in crypto hanging down. Like I get it. The joke will be on the Clippers. But if you're telling me that uh would I like to win the tournament? Hell yeah. Like we don't play play the game to not win. But it would probably be more of a curse for the Clippers to win this. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like this would be a really great victory for the Orlando magic. It'd be a really great victory for like, dude, look, same for the Clippers. Like it would be the same for, uh, Luca, right? Like Luca doesn't want to win a, a, a early season tournament banner. You know, Chris Paul, can you imagine if, if, if Golden state wins it, like, can you imagine if James Harden, wherever he is, which we'll talk about, I think in a minute here, like, the, there will be more jokes than praise, put it that way, right? And yeah, it, it'll be more like, especially for the Clippers, it'd be like big fucking deal, Clippers. Like you won this yeah. big deal, right? So no, I'm well, not going to look. Run- it, it, if if we know Adam Silver and and his dedication to this, I do expect there to be maybe not a banner, uh, but some sort of emblem going up to the winner here. I do think he values it this way and wants to see it become a legacy tournament. And so based on that, there's going to be a trophy. And my guess is maybe maybe it won't be a banner, but maybe like a pennant, you know, like when you win the no, pennant in baseball. I don't want it. There'll be, there'll be something hanging up there uh, to indicate that you've won it. Dude, it's like the Cavs hanging the Summer League Championship banner next to, next to one of their banners. Like, you know, it's like LeBron James jerseys hanging, and then it's Isaiah Mobley right next to him. Like, get out of here. So, uh, yeah, I think it'd be more of a joke. Drew, but I well, so so to... from 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 my perspective, I I completely think it's a joke, and I don't mm-hmm. know where it would fit. Like Lakers and Celtics, for instance, the two winningest teams in NBA history. What the fuck are we going to do with that trophy? We, we we have to we we put it in the in the shed out back. Uh, what, you know what? That's that's the that's the part that I think the NBA will continue to work on and strive. And and the only way it gets better is more years of the tournament. So that's the interesting part about this, and why I don't think it will ever necessarily end now that it's started is because it only it only increases its value and intrigue the the more years that go on that's so that's how it's going to go yeah how shitty is it going to be for the clippers and paul george to win a a, a pre a, a mid-season tournament right and then not make the playoffs say that happens but we won but we won this tournament like the jokes are there's going to be way more jokes depending on who <laughs> wins it i think more people will be super the knicks stoked. i think the knicks should go after this all day long. That's a fan base that would be desperate to see some sort of trophy come their way. Right. I agree. So another thing that's changed, Drew, that I want to bring up quickly on this is, you know, for the 75th time in the NBA, we're, they're trying to get rid of flopping once again. They're adding yeah, more Let's see how this one try. Let's see how this one works. Is this going to work? <laughs> is this going to work, man? So under the new rule, when a game official calls a flop, or a physical act of reasonable uh, of, of reasonably appears to be intended to cause the officials to call a foul on another player, the offending player will be charged with a non-unsportsmanlike technical foul, and the opposing team will be awarded one free throw attempt, which could be attempted by any player who is in the game when the technical foul is assessed. A player will will not be ejected from the game based on flopping violations. Oh, will not be. I didn't know that part. Will not be ejected. Will not be. And this is straight okay. from the NBA, NBA okay. communications. And I had a discussion okay. with my NBA ref friend about it. And it's still it's still going to just come down to what you see as an official. Um, I'm just I, I don't think that they're going to be able to call it fairly across the board. I think NBA players maybe for the first two weeks 
are are so set in their ways that they're going to be still doing the flopping. And maybe it's like slapping people, you know, slapping your kid on the wrist. You know what I mean? Slappy. You can't do that. You can't do that. And when it turns into the free throw and you could pick anybody to shoot the free throw, like those, those points could add up, man. And the way these dudes be flopping right now, <laughs> we might have stoppage of play 10, 12 times during the game. That's and possible. until, until you teach your players, the coaches have to teach the players. Cause it's kind of like, Oh, he's refing tonight. We can get away with this. Like, I think the refs are going to be real hard on it, or at least we thought they were going to be hard on it the first time they did that. But now there's a lot more at stake with a, with a technical and getting the ball. And I don't know, man. I think they're trying to be uh, proactive with all the flopping because we all hate watching it. But what do you what do you think this is going to mean? I like the attempt, right? Me too. It's it's time to try something else. They tried the fines a couple years ago, and I thought that I actually kind of thought that was somewhat successful. But then they got rid of that in the CBA, I believe, in the in the most recent CBA, and so then they they do this version now. But I do think it's going to lead to a lot of stoppages to to what you're saying. Like we're going to have a lot of times now where we have to go to the monitor to see was that a flop, was there actually contact, and I think that just opens that up, and we we should expect, unfortunately, for the games to be a little bit more elongated here, not only with the stoppage, but then the extra free throw and you get the dead ball possession. So I can see games like you're saying, I could definitely see within a game where we have five to 10 of those stoppages per game. Well, if you read, if you read farther onto this, let me, let me go a little deeper for you, Drew. This might answer some questions. So referees will not be required to stop live play to call a flopping violation if necessary for example to avoid stopping live play while the offensive team has an immediate scoring opportunity the officials will wait until the next neutral opportunity to stop live play to administer the flopping penalty after the penalty free throw the league's resumption of play principles will apply meaning that the team with actual or imminent possession when play was stopped will be awarded possession when the play resumes it is possible that the officials could call both a foul and a flopping violation on the same play. This is where it gets weird. A flopping violation will not be directly reviewable by a coach's challenge. However, the referees could call a flop via replay review of a call of a called foul triggered by a coach's challenge or referee initiated replay review Holy of shit. certain types of. Yeah, see That's there's a, a lot. lot going on here. Right? Right? A flopping violation called by the officials in real time will not result in a fine or count toward the post-game financial penalty system. When a flop is called by the referees, the loan penalty will be the in-game competitive penalty of the opposing team being awarded one free throw attempt. The new in-game flopping penalty will be in effect on a one-year trial basis. Seems like there's a lot going on here. Yeah, that's a lot. That is, that's a, I need like a map. I need that to be written out. Boy, oh boy. Well, is so let me so let me get to the next part here. They did also approve uh the the second coach's challenge if you were correct in your mm-hmm. first challenge, right? So I wonder yes. how that ties into this too. It sounds like you can review shit and then review a review potentially or maybe not. Uh, uh but anyway, yeah, man, I think there's going to be a huge learning curve on this for all parties. The refs are going to have to figure out this shit. The scorer's table, the scorer's table, the people that can't get the shot clock right sometimes. Mm-hmm. That I'm nervous about those people figuring this shit out. Uh, and then the coaches, obviously. The coaches are going to have to figure out what they can challenge, what they can't challenge. And then mostly the idea here 
is we stop flopping so goddamn much. Like that would be great if we just didn't have to do all this bullshit, and instead players just decided not to play basketball. Much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they just started like, oh, okay, well, fine, we'll just we'll just actually play like we're supposed to play, and we won't exaggerate shit. But you know, that's never going to go away. This is not going to solve the flopping problem. It's just going to put a magnifying glass on it. So this is the way I feel about it. Flopping's been going on for as long as uh, I don't know who the first guy to do it was, but as long as as any guy was able to pull, any player was able to pull the wool over the referee's eyes. In the back in the old days, it was wait until the ref turns his head and I'll elbow you in the fucking liver. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then that turned into wait until the referee's looking at me and now I'll fall down if you sneeze on me. So uh, you know, it's always going to be something where players in a competitive uh atmosphere are going to look for an advantage uh and i just i don't think this is going to go away uh just because of this rule my hope is, is that it doesn't slow the game down which it looks like they addressed in what you just read out which is nice uh but i just i i hope it doesn't slow the game down I do, and i just i foresee that happening when people are like okay wait what now it's a now it's a penalty if we have a free throw okay who had the ball uh shit okay it's this way they're like, and actually, no, have... we're calling a foul. Actually, right. it's a there's foul. a foul and a flopping call. It's, uh, that to me is too convoluted. So I is think it's going to be a bumpy stat? road. It's going to be a bumpy road in there for the first couple months. Is there going to be a stat at the end of the game? The FF, the foul flops. How many foul flops were called? It just seems like a lot more work for the referees. It's just way more work for the referees. But hopefully, this this just stops the erroneous flopping that we are all so tired of. And if we could just figure out a way to stop the players bitching every play, that would be even better. So it's right. But that neither of those things are going to happen here. (laughs) It's definitely not going to happen. Do you want to talk about Harden for a minute? Should we talk about this? Well, yeah, I mean, I think we should, because he, he wants to be on your team, bro. He wants to be a Clipper so bad. I've never seen a guy rally to be a Clipper uh, more intensely in my entire life. I can't think of one guy who's been trying to be a Clipper more than him. I actually can't either. And it's, it's, (laughs) It seems like he's pulling the Dame Lillard, the Bradley Beal. He's saying it's going to be here or nothing. And the funny thing is, is nothing's happening. And I were from from everything I'm hearing is there's nothing being done. Maury's not going to get rid of this guy. I think he wants to help him get to where he wants to get to. But the Clippers are not budging. And right. I actually like it, Drew. I like the fact that the Clippers have not given in to the demands and what they want. I think we're waiting to get Harden for cents on the dollar, and that's the only way I want James Harden. But then he posted this this cryptic text last night, like, been comfortable so long, now <laughs> it's time to get uncomfortable. Like, look, bro, your whole career has been uncomfortable. Ugh. Again, I have to bring this up again. Does nobody remember the fat suit? Does nobody remember the fat suit? You have made so many teams and organizations uncomfortable. Don't talk about being comfortable. And I get it. I get coming to the Clippers is is your choice, and I I I, I understand why you want to be here. But I'm I'm already over it, Drew. I'm 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 really over it. I I, I don't necessarily think we need James Harden. They want Terrence Mann, and I think we've we've put. I understand Terrence Mann is not James Harden, but we put so much time and energy with Terrence Mann. We gave him the extension. Uh, we've 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 developed him, and he's turning into this really versatile player that works really well for the Clippers. Unfortunately, the minutes have come not as many minutes as he's wanted. I think he's earning them, though. I think this guy can be a real huge contributing factor to the Clippers, especially on the defensive end, something that James Harden does not bring. The one thing 
that I like in the James Harden thing is when and if most likely when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George do not play, it would be nice to have somebody who can mm. get us buckets, legit buckets, get to the free throw line, especially if it's Russ and him working together. Right. If Russ has vouched for James Harden, then or in PG and Kawhi want it to happen. Cool. But I do not want it at the expense of Norm, too. Like, I think I would rather have Norman Powell than James and Harden. Terrence Mann. And Terrence Mann. And Terrence Mann. Mann. Yeah. Then, then James Harden. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think James Harden deserves to get to go wherever the hell he wants to go yet again. <laughs> because like I said on the on the uh, it was last show or two shows ago, yeah. it's never worked. Anywhere that this guy has bullied his way to go to has never worked. Why would it work for the Clippers, Drew? Why? And some of Clipper Nation definitely want it to happen. I get it. I don't know why you get it. I know where James Harden stands on the pantheon of great offensive NBA players, but the shit, he's not the same James Harden. The explosiveness is not there. The assists are there. I think he led the league in assists last year, 10 dimes a game, 11. which we could definitely use. But we don't need another injury-prone guy who's not going to be focused on the ultimate goal, which is winning a championship. So if I'm uh, Lawrence Frank in the front office, I'm waiting this bitch out until it's Marcus Morris and a second is what you're getting for. <laughs> do you, do you agree with me? Yeah. Look, I think there's, there's an easier path to a trade if it includes Russell Westbrook. No, I'm saying hands off. No, but that's the, that's the path that this can get done faster is if, uh, if the Clippers really want Harden, then you put Russ in in that trade with T Man or Morris or whatever whatever version of that that you that you can pull off while still keeping the guys that you value highly. So maybe you keep Norm in that scenario, but you trade Russ and T Man, and you get James Harden coming back mm -hmm. your way. For a That's, rental, Drew, it's a rental. Right. Why would we get rid of Terrence Mann and and Russell Westbrook, who wants to be here? Who literally took a gigantic? We would. Yep. I, I do not see the Clippers doing that. Even though I saw what they did to Blake and I saw what they did to CP <laughs> at a much higher financial <laughs> level, but I do right. not see us doing that to Russ. Especially no, for what the rest. The Russ deal is a very Clipper-friendly deal. It's a team-oriented, friendly deal for the Clippers. You don't want to trade that. It's a very, very minimal contract for a guy who's significantly more valuable than that amount of money. But that's what I'm trying to get to. Is not saying that this should be done. That's the only real path that I see this getting done any sooner than potentially some, you know, somewhere down the line just before the trade deadline uh, or even next year. I think there's a real chance that James, because he kind of put himself into a corner here with signing that, uh, 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 opting into that last year of that contract, uh, I think there's a real chance he's just on the Sixers. I, I really do. And I do Which think we that both most, think he should be. And most NBA teams should want that. Because if you're gonna if you're gonna do the rental like trade for James Harden on a rental for one year, you're gonna want to know that number one is he locked in, is in any capacity, mm -hmm. and that includes is he locked in on being here, being on this in this location where we just traded for him, uh, and all signs point to the fact that that only will work if it's Houston or LA. Uh, so why would any other team throw their hat in the ring at all for a one year rental on a guy that we think is potentially going to be out of shape again at the beginning of this year? And potentially doesn't give a fuck about postseason success. Uh, so I don't, I, we keep saying this, I, I do anyway, that the Damian Lillard trade, this James Harden piece, 
I just I don't think there's going to be any action on this shit for quite some time, either one of them. Uh, and I don't think the Clippers should want James Harden. I understand the excitement around having a guy like that who can really set the table for uh, your offense, right? And and can obviously score in his own right from time to time. Um, and having that safety net in case Paul or Kawhi most likely will miss a couple games this year. Uh, but that's what Russell Westbrook is. You already have that guy. That's why he's there. So to me, this is just a non-starter. Uh, this is a non-starter unless James Harden is, uh, you know, really willing to commit his future to the Clippers, right? And like an unwritten, like handshake kind of a deal where he goes, look, you know, trade for me and I'll sign a two-year, uh, we'll call it two-year, $40 million deal next year or something like that. Uh, then potentially I can see why the Clippers would move off of a younger asset or uh, you know, a team-oriented asset like Norm Powell or Terrence Mann. But outside of that, nobody's going to want James Harden other than Philly. And I think they actually do want him and they need him. So, fuck, kind of makes sense. Yeah, and at the end of the day, the guy we don't talk about is Joel Embiid, the MVP, right? Like, this guy's just been thrown in the mix. Like, he's had different teammates every single year. They're not happy. They're happy. They want out. They don't like the coach. They like the coach. You know, it's and then he's just sitting here while time flies, not getting his championship. And all you want is somebody to come in there and play. Like what is so bad about Philly and what is so bad about not wanting to play with the MVP? Right. right. I just think the best situation for James Harden would be in Philly. And I, again, I just got to say, I'm happy the Clippers didn't pull the trigger right away. Right. Like I liked the deal for Brogdon, right? Like I liked that right away. Marcus Morris, uh, Amir coffee and a, a second to get Brogdon in here. Love it. Too bad. That didn't happen. And too bad for Marcus Morris, who already knows he's on the trading block. And um, we're most likely not going to be playing with us next year. But former Clipper teams would have jumped at the chance and given away everything these people want um, to get an asset like or to get a player like James Harden. But this is not the same guy. And I do think I, I, I know I'm biased and whatnot, but there is something about Terrence Mann. He's one of these guys. He's just one of these guys that does it all, that's in the gym every single day, that's working out every single day. Every year he's gotten better, and this guy just needs time. And all James Harden's going to do is eat up minutes for Terrence Mann if we don't include Terrence Mann. And also, when Norman Powell's playing at the at the number we have him at, at the years that we have Norm at, keep him. Guy's a championship player. He He's another hooper. Like, I just don't want to bring in another distraction because – for all intents and purposes, Harden is not going to be happy at the end of the year. And him and Ty Lue are not going to get along for whatever reason, because that's what happens. If he's not a Harden coach, if he's not freaking D'Antoni, then he's not going to be happy. So why are we going to appease a guy that's just going to throw a wrench in something that we've been building for four years? Fifth, This is our fifth year, man, and we cannot fuck this up. Of course I want to win a championship. But we need to we need to get into the damn playoffs, man. We have to put ourselves in a position. We can't have another guy that doesn't show up in the playoffs. Okay. We cannot. So if it, uh, here's the bottom line. If it's Marcus Morris, Amir coffee and a second, I'm all <laughs> for bringing James Harden in. Other than that, I'm not touching it. I want to yeah, run it Darryl, back This people. is Daryl Morey that we're dealing with who waited on Ben Simmons until he got James Harden in the trade. Uh, that's another reason why there's just not going to be a movement on this for a long time. I think Daryl Daryl knows that time is on his side, mm -hmm. and really what he wants is for James Harden to play on this team again. So he is not in a rush to get this done. 
But what does Daryl Morey owe James Harden? That's all I'm saying. You trade James Harden wherever the hell you get the best value for. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. And I don't think he wants to trade him. This is the point. I don't think he's actively looking to trade him, period. I think he right. wants him on this team. I think that's, you know, that's that's been the whole thing for Daryl is like, uh, you know, let, let, let's let's have these two stars and see what we can do. And I think, unfortunately, potentially what, what may have happened um, is maybe there was a misunderstanding between Harden and Maury on how the contract would be handled for this year or the extension for this year uh, or what, you know, potentially the contract would look like after this year. And maybe there was a breakdown in communications and things kind of went sideways there uh, because it's just it, it is shocking that James would want to leave so adamantly want to leave a place that that seems to really want him to stay. So I, I if you read between the lines, man, this is what I this is what I see from the Clippers side. Uh, Philly wants man. We don't want to part with man. We're not going to part with it. If we if we were willing to part with Terrence, man, this shit would have been done two and a half weeks ago. Three weeks ago, we're not going to get rid of him. I don't see it. I don't see anything happening to where we change our minds on that anytime soon. So that's what I'm happy for for the Clippers, right? If we're going to be, st- if we're going to be, you know, uh, draw the line in the sand with, look, man, this is what we're going to offer you. This is what we'll give you. That's it. I'm fine with that. It's going to have to be Maury that gives in and says, "Fuck it, we'll take." Marcus Morris and Amir Coffey, which which is also a horrible haul for for he James Harden. It's not fair. It. He won't do it. No, he won't. No. He won't do it. But he should again if the Knicks or Orlando or or anybody else comes with a, a package for James Harden. You should. That'll work for your team. Your job is to surround Joel Embiid with the right players to win a championship with people that want to be in Philadelphia, not a dude that's been on had three trade requests in twelve months. And it's not going to be any different in LA. It's really not. Yeah. And, you, you and know, no other team like Orlando, no, none of those other teams have any incentive to trade away anything for a guy who's immediately just going to become a free agent. Facts. Yeah. So stalemate. We're in a stalemate on that one for sure. Quick segue into free agents really fast. I have a list of a few guys that are still available. These are the kind of guys that I'd be going after, that that, that teams should be going after right now. Nice. Forget about Damian Lillard. Forget about James Harden. <laughs> Seriously, man, this is what GMs need to be going for. So I'm going to name a couple names, Drew. Okay? Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I just got The guy that's been tied mostly to the Lakers is Christian Wood. You have a big guy, a big man, seven-footer, likes to shoot threes. There obviously is a reason why he's been on, I think, six NBA teams in the past six years or whatever it is. But he's a free agent I'd be looking at. Terrence Ross is available. Bismack Biombo available. TJ Warren, available. Justice Winslow, available. Jalen Noel, available. Kelly Oubre, available. And then my, my favorite, the most underrated guy, that I think every NBA team should be looking at is PJ Washington. This guy is a free agent. Why is nobody talking about this guy? You don't I need think a big he's restricted every- free agent. That's fine. Throw a deal at him. Whatever it is. All these guys that we're talking about, like these are the guys that I think can be game changers for those teams that are on the cusp, right? Kelly Oubre. Io was in was in this one too, but uh, but uh but Chicago signed him to a three year today. Justice Winslow, who was a Clipper, I liked him a lot. I'm, he didn't necessarily need to be on this list, but he's a guy, he's one of those guys, right? He can play defense, run the floor, get you rebounds, give you a solid 10 minutes every single night. T.J. Warren, 
Bismack, who do, who can't use a big man that can rebound? I know Bismack is offensively <laughs> a liability at times, but Terrence Ross, another guy that people would like to have. These are available free agents right now that I don't understand why why teams aren't talking about them. Yeah, that's those are all great names, and I would not I would not mind for a second if any one of those players ended up on the Lakers. Uh, right? The the Ubre piece is. I mean, shit, if we can work something out there, that would be that would be great for the Lakers. We could always use a little bit more scoring off the bench. Um, yeah, same thing with T. Ross, all, all of those guys. Bismack, I'd be fine with any single one of those guys ending up on, on the Lakers. And, and to your point, I would be shocked if, if not all of them end up somewhere, you know? Uh, Noel had a really nice year for the T-Wolves mm-hmm. last year. Um and and at one point was like on fire. I remember he had a run. Must have been like the, maybe the first half of the season where he he was on a run. He went on a heater. Yeah, Noel did. Uh, Christian Wood, you know, maybe maybe that takes a little bit longer for him to find a find a spot. I'll be honest. You know, well, you were talking about you got a footer that was in the summer league with you. This guy is a footer that you know. For oh, whatever Christian Wood's significantly better than Castleton is. That yes. definitely. Yes. Uh, but you know, in a system where, and and again, maybe this is maybe this is just a poor reflection on Jason Kidd again, the, the head coach of the Mavericks. I thought for sure Christian Wood and Luca was going to work better than that. Yeah, I thought for sure that it was did work. work better. It worked a little bit, but then he uh, didn't but, stop playing him, Drew. Well, and he he didn't start him to begin with. He was starting right. Javale McGee and Dwight Powell and all these other guys. Like again, it could be an indictment on Jay Kidd there, but uh, Christian Wood. I would love to see him play defense, right? And I think that's probably the help. biggest that's the biggest problem uh with everywhere he's gone and and to be fair, you know, not all of that can be put on him, right? He's a he's an undersized 6'10 center, so he's not a, a crazy rim protector. Uh but, you know, shit dude, he could play alongside AD, that wouldn't look terrible. Mm-hmm. But all of this has to happen for for the Lakers specifically on very small money, same thing for the Clippers. I think a lot of teams now have their most of their money allocated, so I think that's what they're looking at. They those the agents of those guys is going okay. We can get you in on a you know a vet man, most likely. You're looking at a pretty big pay cut for most of those guys. Uh, you know, I think TJ was making like 18 mil last year, uh, and he uh, the reason he's not there is because he he hasn't been healthy in two years. Uh, really, I mean, he's had a couple strengths, a couple stints where he's been able to be healthy. But uh, T Ross, dude, that that guy should be on a team. Yeah, uh, sign me up. We thought uh, yeah, he was going to be more, more, you know, used more in Phoenix. But like, look, are are, are people just not doing their jobs? That's my thing. <laughs> is so Bull Bull just goes to Phoenix? Like they, you just get him for pennies on the dollar. John Collins again, pennies on the dollar. Nerlens Noel just signed. Like all these Thanks. big men centers, and I, I'm only bringing up centers because I think that's where the Clippers lack right now. I would like more rebounding and defense. That's why I like uh, PJ Washington. Uh, even Bismack, right? If you get Bismack, Bismack, Bismack is fine for you guys. Is third string, second, second, third string center. That's perfect. Right, Ubre too would be another guy yep. that I like on the team. But like, uh, I just don't know. And obviously, I'm not in the front office, so I don't know how hard they're working. I just think when you have all your energy and effort focused on a James Harden, you're going to miss these little pieces, the right. ones that actually make you guys a competing basketball team. And I don't understand why we're not at least hearing things, right? Like, Hey, Clippers are talking to Kelly Oubre. Hey, PJ, we're, we're working. Maybe PJ Washington, like PJ Washington this, would be a great fit for you guys. I would love him. Absolutely. I think he's, I think he's got to get too much money though. This is the thing is I think he's, it's weird. Like, cause he hasn't, 
I just looked at his basketball reference page and I couldn't find his contract on there. So maybe he is just an outright free agent, which is crazy. If that's the case, that's fucking crazy. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know why somebody wouldn't have picked him up by now. Like, what's Toronto doing? This is where I'm saying, like, Toronto, like some of these teams that don't have a whole lot of direction. Uh, because PJ's, Masai PJ's, won't get rid of anybody, Drew. He doesn't want to get rid of anybody. He is Any so solid, though. Um, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, those guys all deserve to be on a team. Every single one of those guys. The Christian Wood piece is the last thing I'll say, though. Like that's the that was the guy I brought up last. Is like, I wouldn't be shocked out of all those guys if he doesn't get a deal. Like if he just kind of slips into free agency, and then next year we see him like playing in the big three or playing in China or some shit like that. Just because mm -hmm. it seems like they a lot of teams have given him a swing at this, and each time he kind of strikes out. He does. Uh, really quick, you mentioned the big three. Shout out to my guy, Hezzy God, former teammate of mine. Yeah. He's just taking over right now. This dude, I, I met him. He came off a plane from North Kakalaki, dude, and just took over the VBL. And now he is just balling with the big three. I'm so yeah. happy for him. Nitty's are, out. Frank Nitty's in there too. I think Nitty's doing the, I think he's back in the big three as well. So I'm he, stoked he, for him. Nitty dropped a 50 piece at the Drew League the other week. When does Nitty not drop a 50 piece? This guy yeah. is Drew League MVP. <laughs> like he is so fun to watch. It's too, it's a shame he didn't get a shot in the pros or maybe he did. I don't know if he ever got a summer league run. Either way, give me a final thought, Drew. Yeah. All right. Let's close this thing out here. Final thought, fun one. Uh, you'll probably chuckle at this. So I saw I was scrolling through IG, you know, doom scrolling, just kind of bored up here because as I mentioned the Wi-Fi doesn't always work, so been on my phone a lot last couple okay. of weeks. Uh, thank God for cellular service. Uh, and I came across this one that made me chuckle, so I wrote it down. And it's a question, and I, I will pose this question to you, and then I will wait for your response, and then I'll give my own answer to it. Would you take $1 million now, or would you take $1 million for every point scored in an NBA game that you play in? And here's the rules. Here's the parameters. You're not just going to get in for like two minutes. You you're going to get to play for as long as those lungs can carry you. So we'll maybe six minutes, but no, because uh, <laughs> that's where I'd be at. I'd be out at six. I don't even know if I can make it past six minutes. Mm -hmm. But let's just say in a perfect world, we're both in shape. Mm -hmm. You get thirty minutes. What are you taking? You taking the mill now, or are you going to take that uh, risk and see if you can score at least two points and get get a little bit more return for that? So just to let our listeners know, there's a reason why you and I have been doing this show for seven years, because I had this written down too, at some Did point. That really? I was, oh yeah. A hundred percent. I had written down. I had it written down actually like two weeks ago. I had it down. I thought I've had it. I've had it in my notes for a couple of weeks myself. I, I thought it would be fun. Cause you and I probably once a year, we have one of these debates, right? Yeah. It all started. If you guys go back to se season one, it started with Drew playing Austin Reeves, uh, Austin Rivers, one on one. Austin Rivers. Um, so I think that's an interesting question. And uh, you said we would be in shape or would this be tomorrow? This is perfect world. This is perfect world. Because if it's today or tomorrow, we, we I, I literally could not run right. for more than 90 seconds straight. So there's it's no the chance. I'm taking the million dollars. If it's tomorrow, I'm taking that shit that's going to the bank account. I don't even think twice about it. But let's just say perfect world where we're mm. in good shape. We'll mm. even dial the clock back a couple of years. Let's say it's five years ago. Five. Ooh, five. I was pretty nasty five I years was dunking five years ago. Go see the IG page. <laughs> but I was pretty nasty five years ago. The safest bet would to be because I, I I thought this through, right? Yeah. 
Um, definitely not tomorrow. Like there's no way I'm playing <laughs> any sort of game tomorrow, no. especially in the NBA. Yeah. Um, I would take the million right off. If we're going five years ago, you would have to actually think like, can I get to the free throw line? Right. right? Can I get a foul call? Obviously I can, I could sell it cause they're way stronger than me. And if I spend, you know, I'd probably call the homie Pat Bev up and be like, yo, Patty Bev, teach me how to flop. Teach me how to get a foul called on me. So in that case, I could probably get to the free throw line twice in 30 minutes, which would be a $4 million because I, I can hit free throws. I'm a 90% clip from the free throw line. Not yeah. necessarily in an NBA game with thousands of people. No, but let's just say you go three for four and that's still more than the $3 million. That I think yeah. in these times, Drew, without a question, it would, I'd probably call my mom first and be like, mom, what do you think about this situation? She would definitely say, Ian, honey, you take, take that million. million dollars. Take so that I'm, million dollars. I'm, I'm take taking the million. Yeah. With my luck, you know, it's the night where I got to guard Kawhi and Kawhi's got to guard me. And I, there's definitely not a chance. No, no. It would be like De'Aaron Fox would be your it worst would. nightmare. That's your worst nightmare. <laughs> Bro, give me, give me the, give me the worst. And I'm probably still not getting a bucket in the NBA. I'd like to think about it. Uh, I'd, I'd probably definitely, uh, be able to get like a summer run. I'd be able to score money, money or points on a summer run with some. Well, of the see, here's guys. the thing. I think the, I think it's actually a better question for you on assists. Mm. Oh, and I yeah. think you would take if it's assists. Mm. If you got a mill for each assist, I think you'd be in good shape there. I uh, would. You know what, Drew? In 30 minutes. Yeah, that's at least four or five assists. I'm thinking at least if if you're yeah. if you're running point, which is your mm -hmm. position, at least four or five assists. I think. Just, just because you're playing with NBA guys. So you just got to get them the ball in the right spots. <laughs> and, to and to be really honest shot. with you, though, Drew, there's no way I'm lasting 30 minutes in an NBA game. No, no, we I'm, know that. We know that. That we're, we're, moving, we're removing that. You and me both. Even five years ago. I mean, I was in good shape five years ago. I don't think I would have made it for more than 10 minutes on an NBA court. But, yeah. again, perfect world, 30 minutes. Uh, we got lungs all day. I, I'm a shooter for – I know you mentioned we might have some new listeners here, so mm. – I, I, at, growing up, I was a shooting guard three, you know, two, three guy. Uh, and I know I can get in 30 minutes, a couple threes off and I know I'll hit one of them. So I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm, I'm going to roll the dice on that. I probably won't get to the free throw line. I played very similar to like JJ Redick, but like less running. Um, so I wasn't as effective as JJ, but if you give me a pin down screen, I can get, I can get shots off all day. You just give me a, I'm on the block. You put a screen out there. I can curl. I can fade. I know I can get something off. My shot will most likely be sent into the fourth or fifth row by somebody, right? If somebody's well, guarding me. you are me, six four. You are six four. I am six four, which is small in NBA terms. So mm -hmm. if I got anyone with length and athleticism like most of the NBA, uh, like if I had to go up against Desmond Bain, for instance, I guarantee there's one of these ones where I'm thinking I'm, I got a wide open three where I take a shot and he just like spikes that fucker way out into the distance. But I do think I would nail at least one three. So that's three mil. I'm taking that home in 30 minutes. I, and also, this is the other thing. If I'm playing 30 minutes and, the, and this is the chance that I have, I'm shooting every time I touch the ball. Like, there's no, like, if this is the game that, that I'm in. Jackie. And just I'm, Jackie. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm going to get millions of dollars. <laughs> I, I am shooting. If I touch it, it's going I up. am Kevin Porter <laughs> Jr., bro, to the max on steroids. Just whatever I see, I'm shooting. I'll, I'll be looking, I'll be looking like a really old, slow, bald, fat, white Imani Bates out there. That's totally <laughs> me. I am, I, I did not, I, if I catch it, as soon as I'm looking at the rim. 
It's going up there, baby. Oh, my God. That is so funny, Drew. Take the mill. I think a lot of people would take the mill. Uh, my final thought is going to be uh, we're going to have an appearance from Philosophical Clips right now. Uh-oh. And I, Well, I just had a moment the other Philosophical Clips. Philosophical Clips. Love it. That should be the name of the of the of this episode. Probably won't fit. Um, you know, one of my favorite movies is Interstellar. I know it's one of yours too. Excellent right? film. Uh, I watched Chris Nolan. It. That's the same guy who's releasing Oppenheimer coming out came out yesterday or today, which, which I will be seeing. Oh, definitely. But Interstellar is a great movie. It is a at at one point you will just be mind fucked. At yeah, one it takes point. you a couple times to understand. Like the first time I saw it, I needed to watch it again to like fully kind of comprehend what 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 I just watched. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah. And you know, Michael Caine says a poem during uh, during the movie before they take their long sleep. And I know that I was prefacing this in the beginning because we're calling this the long sleep of the NBA season. Uh, it's it's the it's the dead time of the NBA. But Michael Caine says a poem by Dylan Thomas, which you should read the poem uh the gentle good night it's it's phenomenal but there's a point in it where it's it says rage rage against the dying of the light do not go gentle into that good night right and this poem it's powerful i got chills saying this poem is about mortality and about death right and how you and not and facing and fighting death right and so while i was watching it and i was thinking about how we're taking the long sleep in this nba season right now i don't want i think I think NBA players can take something from this is I don't want to go gentle into this good night of the NBA season. These next 80 days, these next 80 days before training camp is where NBA players, rookies, vets, whatever. This is the time to not go gentle into the good night. This is the time to attack uh, your rehab or to work on that that mid-range, that step-back midi, to work on relationships with your new teammates going into a new season. This is where championships are made. And I think this is a pivotal time for all NBA players, even podcasters like us. This is what make or break you. You know, we can either be the podcast that goes out and just talks about Dame Lillard and James Harden every single damn show or talks about who's the GOAT and whatnot. This is the time that makes you better at what you do. So during this this gentle good night. Like I, th- I just want my team specifically the Clippers to, to, to rage against this, not be happy with how we ended last season to be fucking pissed off that we're in year four and we have nothing to show for it. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I want Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Russell Westbrook to go in to this good night with a chip on their shoulder and to, to attack it with rage. Like it says in the poem, you fight it, man. You fight it. You get fucking better. So these 80 days leading up to training camp to go into year five of this, you know, I want to have a chip on the shoulder. I want these guys to be pissed off. I want Russell Westbrook to be so fucking angry with how he was treated and how he was talked about last year. I want Paul George to be fucking angry at the narrative that surrounds him about never being healthy and playoff P. I want Kawhi Leonard to show some kind of fucking emotion, to show Clipper Nation, to show the NBA that you actually care about winning a championship. So I don't know. I took something away from that poem, which is a beautiful poem. And I I switched it around because it has nothing to do with basketball. But if you put it in basketball form, like I just tried to do not so eloquently, but you understand what I'm saying on this, man. I want them to take advantage of this, these, these, this, this time that's given to them. You, you had the vacations are over, 
man, especially teams like the Clippers that were out early in this shit. Vacation time's over. I saw Russ working out in Puerto Rico today, getting his buckets up. You know, I'm seeing James Harden at white parties and all over the NBA. I want the dudes that are focused in the gym and using this time wisely if you really want to win a chip. So I kind of wanted to get that off my chest, Drew. Sorry if that was long-winded. Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, it's fine. I don't think it was long-winded. I think uh, I think every if you're if you're a fan of a team, like if you have an NBA team that you love, every one of us is hoping that that's true. That that this time is not wasted, and there is a you know a fine line between being obsessive and you know and being productive. Guys like Kobe, I think, flirted with that line. Maybe even didn't even have that line. Was just obsessive. Mm. Uh, but I think there is a healthy balance, right? You want your guys to go get refreshed. Go go go! Don't touch don't touch a basketball for a little while. That's totally fine. But now now this summer, you've had your time off. Let's go put in the work. Let's go. Let's go get better, right? Uh, I think every single fan would would hope that that's what's happening right now, especially given the lifestyle that these guys are afforded and the amount of money that they're making. It seems disrespectful to not take advantage of these months to not try and improve yourself. Not just and and you know these players don't owe us anything as fans. They Zero. don't owe us jack shit. But it's you know it's one of those things where what is it that you want out of your life? Right. That's where it becomes introspective. You know, what what as a player, what do you want to gain here? Do you want to be able to make, you know, more money? Okay, you better keep improving because there's no shortage of guys wanting your spot. Uh, but you want to win a championship? Now's now's when the work starts, just like you said. So uh Yeah, I I I I specifically meant that basically for the Clippers because <laughs> uh, uh, you know that's who I'm emotionally attached to and whatnot. But like, there should be no excuse for Russell Westbrook to be shooting 27% from three next year. Like if we just spend, <laughs> that's going to happen though, bro. It might, that it, ain't going to fix itself happen. in Puerto Rico, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's fine for Paul George to have his awesome podcast and to be doing that. But yeah. like, yeah. the window is, is closing for us, man. This is, this is probably the last shot that we're going to have at this. Um, before it, it blows up or before we make some kind of crazy trade and whatnot. But that poem just resonated with me and it should resonate with everybody. It's a, it's a fucking powerful ass poem. So I don't know how I flipped that into a bath. It just, it just came to me like that. And uh, it, it meant a lot to me. So, and that movie's just freaking awesome. If you've never watched interstellar, watch the movie. You're, you're going to be mind blown. Uh, yeah. Get ready for, a long movie but it is it is phenomenal i i've watched it a bunch it's one of my favorite films uh we're we're gonna be back next week i got uh my sister's wedding so i'm gonna be in denver for yeah a few days. we'll be back next week but Shout like to her be later to, thank god my parents are going to see one of their children get married because it's not <laughs> going to be your boy clips and that's actually part of my speech that i have to give it's going to be a funny one i'm really good at speeches so uh, shout out to all the new listeners. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. Tap subscribe, you know, follow us on IG. Check out, we got some YouTube videos up that we're really trying to get better at, but our, our IG is blowing up. We appreciate all the new people. We'll be back next week. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew and we're ghosts. You know what it is, you know what it is.